0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Dave Pash Podcast. I'm your host, Arizona Cardinals and ESPN play-by-play announcer Dave Pash. My guest this week is Robert Griffin III, Heisman Trophy winner at Baylor, Pro Bowl quarterback with Washington, and current broadcaster with ESPN. He does college football games on Saturday, does NFL work during the week in studio, as well as Monday night Countdown. We're going to talk with Robert about who his Heisman pick is for this season, and also former Heisman Trophy winner, Kyler Murray. What are his thoughts on Kyler and how he's performing with the Arizona Cardinals? We'll also discuss Robert's current career as a television broadcaster and what the future holds for RG 3 in this business and whether he still has a desire to play football in the NFL.
1: If a team called me tomorrow and said, Robert, can you come be our starting quarterback? I'll be there. I stay prepared. I can still run, can still throw. Coach texted me the other day, said, hey, can you take a hit? I'm like, yeah, I can take a hit
0: but they can't hit what they can't catch. We are presented by BetMGM, the official sports betting partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Gila River Resorts and Casinos. The BetMGM touchdown boost token is here. Increase your payout with every Cardinals touchdown. You'll receive an extra 10% boost from every Cardinals TD, and your boost can be used on the following week's game. Only at BetMGM the king of sports books, and the official partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Visit vetmgm.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager, Arizona only. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Time now for our conversation with Robert Griffin III on this week's edition of the Dave Pasch Podcast. So, Robert, I've been at ESPN and doing the Cardinals for two decades, and I've done so many interviews over the years with players and coaches across four different sports, college football, NFL, NBA, college basketball, and there's about probably a dozen that really stand out that, like, I remember exactly where I was, with whom, and how it went. And you're one of those. It was the Alamo Bowl in 2011, After you'd won the Heisman Trophy, I'm sitting there with Chris Spielman and Quint Kesnick, who is your current sideline reporter. And first of all, you guys scored 67 points. It was the (laughs) highest scoring bowl game ever. And uh, but the interview is what stood out, man, because you were just so impressive. I'm not surprised at all that you've gone into this business and have succeeded very early on in your career. Oh, man, I appreciate that, Dave. And you have a, you have no idea how many times me and
1: Quint have talked about that Alamo Bowl, um, just coming full circle, right? Him, he was interviewing me uh, throughout the week, and then now we're working together, so it's been a lot of fun. But my favorite part about that game was when we were down by, uh, I believe it was 17, like late in the third, we came back by running the football uh, consistently, just handing it off to Terrence Ganaway. And I had to do what I had to do on a couple blocks, just getting out in the open field and blocking from my guys because uh, Washington was playing a lot of that two-shell defense that you're seeing in the NFL now where they're just trying to make you be patient. And uh, that was one of the – I think it lasted as one of the highest-scoring bowl games of all time for a while. Uh, it, was, it was a really fun game.
0: Yeah, it's crazy that you actually have, remember it in that greater detail considering all the great games you played in leading up to that to win the high zone and then obviously the next year going to the playoffs with Washington – Um, When when did you start thinking about getting into this business? Because obviously you've always been an incredible speaker, very smart guy. Is this something you thought about when you were in college that maybe when you're done in the NFL, you do TV or or no?
1: No, Dave, to be honest with you, this was never on my radar. Um, Whether I played 20 years or five years, it wasn't something that I ever thought this was going to be an avenue for me. But I was I say this with all good intentions, I was bothered for three years by my current agent, Mark Lepselter uh, out of New York. And he just saw something in me, felt like I could do this and do it at a at a really high level for a long time. And after three years, I finally gave in. I I did an audition with Fox ESPN, heard about the audition. I did an audition with ESPN and the rest is history. So I just think uh, for me, as you know, this you got to be yourself whenever you step foot on, on screen or in a, in a TV booth, you got to be yourself because that's the easiest thing to replicate. So over the last year and a half, I've been able to do that, have fun, uh, do it in a a unique way. That's unique to, to myself. And I'm beyond blessed to work with Mark Jones, uh, and Kim Belton, uh, and Quint Kestinick on that crew, because we make it fun. And, and then you kind of see that in the broadcast.
0: Yeah. Let me go, go back to Kim Belton. Uh, not many people realize, uh, that, you know, we all have, when we call a game, we have a producer in our ear. That producer is basically the boss of the broadcast. And, you know, it's rare that the producer is somebody that was an elite athlete. And Kim Belton was a 1st round draft pick of the Phoenix Suns. He's one of the all-time leading scorers in Stanford basketball history. He was my first college football producer at ESPN back in 2004. And he, is it... Has it been helpful to you to have somebody in that seat that knows what it's like to be an elite athlete like yourself?
1: Yeah, David does. And, and Kim has been in the business 41 years. Like, he's been doing it, doing it for a long time. Uh, my agent told me when I was partnered with Kim that this is the best possible scenario. Uh, he does an, an amazing job of helping guys transition from going on the field uh, into the broadcast booth. He, I looked at him as a teacher. And as I've gone on to work with other producers, Kim's still my, my game producer for college football, but as I've worked with other producers and other studio shows or other aspects, there's a there's a defining quality about Kim and you know this, he, he is like the boss, but he just commands a certain level of respect that I enjoy the conversation with Kim throughout the game. Uh, when we're talking and, we're, and when I see something and he sees it and we see the game eerily similar, for a basketball guy to really see football the way that he does is extremely impressive, and I enjoy that part of it. So Kim has been incredible. I think he's the best in the business. Obviously, I haven't worked with, with anybody else uh, on an extended basis, but that crew
0: has been really special over the last year and a half. You'll have to ask him. I can't say who it was, but you'll have to ask Kim about the time that he and I were working together, and I had to break up a fight in the booth. so next time you see Kim say hey I was just I was doing a podcast with Dave and he wanted he asked me to have you tell him the story of having to break up a fight in the booth in Hawaii no less Ooh, in Hawaii you know draft pick in the NBA this is a big guy you don't want to mess with him well no well it actually it wasn't uh the fight wasn't with him uh, I was working with two analysts at the time and and the two of them were about to throw down so I had to I had to intervene but, yeah, there was a time, too. Again, I can't remember the analyst. I, I, I remember the analyst's name, but I can't say it. But you have to ask him about the time that he showed up in the booth because his analyst would not do what he asked him to do. So Kim left the truck, got <laughs> on the press box elevator, stood outside the press box, and told the guy, are you going to do it now? And you have to understand, if Kim Belton at 6'8", 240 pounds, comes to your broadcast booth and says, are you going to do it? You're going to do it, or you're going to get beat down. Oh, man. <laughs> Behind the scenes of, of broadcast TV, because I've heard some stories, man, that would really put people out
1: there. That's crazy.
0: <laughs> I know people think like um, there are no egos in this business There's probably more in this business than uh, maybe even on the football field. Obviously, you do a lot of uh, NFL stuff. You're doing Monday Night Countdown. You're really busy right now. Um, do you enjoy the studio as much as the games? How would you kind of how would you measure your your enjoyment in terms of games versus being in studio or, or on site, I guess, not really studio, you're on site, but, it, but it's a studio show.
1: Yeah, it's still a studio show there were Monday Night Countdown. And, you know, I was blessed enough to do uh, College Game Day uh, three or four times last year as well. I, I look at this as like a learning experience for me. Uh, anybody that gets into like a new field, kind of approach it like you would if you went to law school. They say say when you go to law school, don't try to pick what you're going to do right away. Kind of get a glimpse of everything and what's out there, and then whatever you gravitate towards, that's what you can then, all right, this is what I'm going to do for the long-term future. So for me, uh, I enjoy both studio and the games. Um, It's extremely fun. Uh, Doing NFL and also being able to do college has been really fun. And as you know in this business, Dave, the more you can do, the more you can do, the more versatility you can have, the more opportunities that come your way. Uh, and I've just been blessed enough that ESPN um, has, you know, put me in spots that have allowed me to showcase that and put me with the right teams uh, to, you know, really fully maximize my own ability and and add to the broadcast, whatever broadcast it may be, whether it's studio or on the game. So I enjoy both. I'm not going to try to close any doors for myself. Um, but of course, everybody wants to, wants to call Monday night football. Everybody wants to be in a number one uh, game booth. Um, we're all trying to go out there and, and be the next John Madden and, and have fun calling the game and bring something new to it. So
0: I'm no different in that, but at the end of the day, I'm here to entertain, add to the games and be a storyteller. Well, you definitely, I mean, you've done all those things. Uh, you certainly entertain. I, I loved uh, reading the article that Sports Illustrated did on you, uh, calling you the next breakout star at ESPN and, highlighting some of your commentary. Well, not just the commentary, like you going in the tunnel at Michigan, um, but also some of the comments that you'll make. Like, I, I laughed out loud at the Black Friday comment, man, at the top of the show last week, because we were on right after you guys, and I saw I saw it. And I, I, saw, I don't know if that was okay or not, man, but I was dying laughing.
1: <laughs> it's, uh, you know, some of that stuff, like the Black Friday comment, you know, I had said something before we went on air uh, to Kim, and he said, yeah, you're not saying that. So, like, the crew that I'm with and the guys that I work with, we have such a great relationship that um, we know what to say, what not to say. We know how to approach the line but not cross the line. Uh, for instance, with Alex Orgy, the quarterback from Michigan, early in the year, like, I wouldn't ever say uh, there's an orgy in the end zone if the guy's last name was an orgy. Right. There's like a there's a certain protective barrier there. It's really thin. And in the middle of the year, I kind of learned like, all right, let's make sure that's not the main thing. And over the last part of the year, I haven't had any of those types of things pop up uh, because I wanted to make sure people understood, like, we're here to entertain. uh, But we're here to entertain for everybody. Um, And and that's why we have fun. The Black Friday comment. Listen, it's Black, Black Friday. You got a black play-by-play guy, Mark Jones. You got a black analyst. It was funny. It was fun. It was light. Nobody was really offended by it. Uh, people laughed, like you said. You laughed out loud. And we're here to provide entertainment. No, I'm not a comedian. And that's why when we break the game down and we teach, we draw you in with all those different aspects. And that's why you know I feel like we want to add to the broadcast. And don't be afraid to be yourself. If you're a corny dad
0: joke type of guy, tell a couple dad jokes, man. There's nothing wrong with that. Well, you certainly break it down to and I want to talk a little bit about, uh, I want to talk about the Heisman race, but I also want to talk about uh, the quarterback for the Cardinals because there's a tight fraternity uh, amongst the Heisman winners and you obviously being one and Kyler uh, six or seven years after you won it, uh, won his Heisman trophy in, in year four with the Cardinals. When you watch Kyler and you watch the Cardinals, I, I know you're doing the best you can with all the stuff you have going on to pay as close attention as you can. What stands out to you about Kyler as an NFL quarterback?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think this year, more than anything, did Kyler seems to be on a different sheet of music than the rest of the offense. Um, Now, in their last game, I thought it was cleaned up a little bit. Uh, You know, maybe the players and the coaches got to see Colt McCoy uh, go out there and struggle a little bit, and maybe that kind of eased some of the tensions in the building with Kyler coming back. Um, But I, I said this on Monday Night Countdown, and I truly believe this, Kyler is a very smart player when we were in Mexico and he didn't play. I got to talk to him for about 10 minutes on the field. He understands like the perception that's out there about him wants to clean that up. And I know he didn't help himself with the comment he made in the post game saying that schematically they were screwed because it just brings more, uh, turbulence to their room, whether it's the coaches or the players or whatever, but he really needs to be the one installing the offense. This is a situation in Arizona eerily similar to Denver where Russell Wilson's going to be the quarterback. You have to find a way to get the most out of him because you guaranteed him so much money. No one's going to trade for Russell Wilson at this point. Kyler Murray, on the other hand, it's not that no one will trade for him. It's just that this was an, a hand-picked ideal situation for him with the coach that recruited him out of college. I mean, out of high school to go to Texas A&M and clip Kingsbury. So, If Kyler's seeing things differently than the rest of the offense, make him do the installs because then the receivers will know, all right, versus this coverage, this is what Kyler's thinking, as opposed to versus this coverage, this is what Cliff Kingsbury is thinking. This is what my receiver coach is thinking. This is what the running back coach is thinking. And if they do that, I think they can get it back on track. Now, this year might be lost for them, but in the future, moving forward, that's how I think they should do it because you've already paid Kyler so much money He is your guy. There is no, well, it's his fault. It's got to be everybody in this thing. And Kyler can really help himself by just communicating with his teammates a little bit better to let them know what he's expecting.
0: Robert, I do think it was good for him to to be in a position where for a couple weeks he, he could just watch Colt run the offense. He was more decisive this past game. No question. It was getting out of his hand quicker. I think it was much easier, too, for Cliff and the staff to sell Kyler on that by saying, hey, you saw it the last two games. Colts getting rid of it quickly, putting guys in position to succeed, getting into his playmakers. You mentioned you had a chance to talk to him for 10 minutes in Mexico. Did you offer any advice to him?
1: Yeah, you know, we kind of joked a little bit because I, I make some short jokes about Kyler on Twitter every now and then. And, you know, we're Heisman brothers, so it's like it's all fun and games. But at the end of the day, for him – the conversation then went to not trying to do too much. There's a lot of things like Kyler's been a winner his entire life, right? Whether high school, I believe he went undefeated. You know, he he listed that at his press conference when he, they had the whole homework clause press conference earlier in the year. But he's been a winner his whole life. And you get this large amount of money. With that money comes expectations. And sometimes you can try to do too much. So, yes, does it help to kind of sit out? while you're a little banged up and watch the backup go in there and just operate the offense. Yes. But here is what I took from that was Colt McCoy is Colt McCoy. If he goes out there and gets the ball out of his hands and works the offense, he can only take you so far. But if Kyler Murray does the same thing and gives you a couple of those, just wow, Kyler Murray plays every now and then they're going to be a lot better football team with Kyler Murray at the helm. And that's kind of what we talked about just, you know, don't let the outside perception affect what you do on the inside. Don't try to convince everyone in the building that you're not this guy that they're telling you that you are on the outside, go about your business, be a good teammate, work hard, run the offense and get the ball to your playmakers. And like I said, I think he did a better job of that against the chargers, even though they didn't get the victory. Um, they looked much better than they have all year.
0: You know, it's amazing the run that, uh, Oklahoma had of quarterbacks that either won the Heisman or in Jalen Hurts case, being the runner up an Oklahoma quarterback's not going to win the Heisman this year, but Caleb Williams was at Oklahoma. (laughs) And (laughs) I don't know if you agree with me. I, I don't have a vote, but if I did, it'd be Caleb Williams from USC. Obviously you're a Heisman winner. You have a vote. Um, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I'll tell you this, Dave, I don't vote until after the championship games. Um, because I, I know, like, with the committee, the playoff committee, sometimes they don't weigh the championship games as much. But going into championship weekend, it's between Caleb Williams and Max Duggan. That's it. Unless Blake Horn runs for 400 yards, uh, and if he's going to play, you know, uh, with Michigan, it's between those two guys. And you have the story of Caleb Williams, which I absolutely love. And my main man, Reese Davis, kind of – he got on me a little bit earlier in the in the, in the offseason because I was saying USC, man, they're going to college football playoff. And he's like, no, nah, pump the brakes on USC. They're not going to do it. And look at what these transfers did. I mean, they had like 37, 38 transfers come in there, and Caleb Williams was able to steer the ship. And late in the year, you started to see him make those Caleb Williams plays that we got so accustomed to seeing last year at Oklahoma. So for him, if they win, I think he wins the Heisman. He, and for them to win, he has to play well. The only guy that could kind of knock him off would be Duggan and Duggan's going to have to go out there and throw for three fifty, run for a hundred. I think everybody knows that at this point, but Caleb Williams, he can write, you know, Heisman winner on his fingers. If he wants to on his, on his fingernails, you know, he paints his fingernails every game with some stuff on there. He's, he's got the, he doesn't have a lock on it, but it's 95% it's going to be him
0: winning the Heisman. It's amazing, too, to think about, you know, this time last year, he, he was a relatively new starter at Oklahoma. He came in against Texas, lights it up after Spencer Rattler gets benched, follows yep. Lincoln Riley to USC. And I was with you. I picked, you know, I work with Dusty Dvorak and Tom Luganville's our field analyst. I was the only one of the three that picked SC to go to the college football playoffs. So there there's a big part of me that's rooting for the Trojans this week against Utah.
1: <laughs> no doubt. Now, people don't. Like, some coaches are going to hate that, though. You know that, Dave. Just talking to coaches throughout the, the college football season, some have bought into the, the transfer portal, some haven't. What Lincoln Riley has done at USC, even if they don't make the playoff, is going to be transformational for all of college football. Because now you know if you get the right guy at head coach and quarterback, you can bring in a whole bunch of mercenaries and get them to play well together. And, I mean, what are they – I think, are they 10-1 right now? Um, that's impressive because everything about college football has been build the culture, build the culture, build the culture. Well, now it seems like the culture can be built quickly as long as you have the right guy, at quarterback, and USC definitely has
0: that. Robert, at the time that you went to the playoffs with Washington in your first year and set the world on fire in the NFL, Matt Ryan had made the playoffs as a rookie a few years prior to that because I remember they played the Cardinals in the opening round of the playoffs. But it was very rare at that time for a rookie to have the success that you did and Matt Ryan did. As you look at the college guys, whether it's Caleb Williams or Bryce Young in Alabama or maybe Drake May at North Carolina, do you see the next great NFL quarterback in college or or somebody that you think they can have have success early on and impact a franchise the way you did in Washington that first year? Oh, man, yeah, I, I really do. I see that. Um, like I think Caleb
1: Williams, Bryce Young, um, C.J. Stroud, I think all those guys have what it takes to be successful immediately. Um, you know, you, people love Will Levis. Hendon uh, Hooker is about 65 years old, but he's probably going to be out all of next year because of that knee injury. But he's also a guy that they exude these skills that are successful right now in the league the way it is. Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, all these guys can run the ball and throw the football. So, Dave, my my take on can these guys have success early is, yeah, they definitely can. But what if they don't? What if they struggle? As an organization, you have to have the organizational fortitude to let these guys struggle. Peyton Manning struggled as a rookie. you got to let them go through some hard times so they can figure out who they are, what they can do at this level of play without the threat of, we're going to sit him down because we need to win right now. You think they're not trying to win? They are. They're trying to win. But even if they struggle a little bit, let them go through that. Like the situation with the Jets and Zach Wilson, it's just a bad situation for Zach Wilson now. Everybody's gravitating towards Mike White. They sit him down. Yes, he made a mistake, had a terrible accountability press conference there. But at the end of the day, how do the Jets now go back to Zach Wilson, barring an injury? and him actually being able to win back over the team. So I think it's on organizations to let these young quarterbacks be young quarterbacks. Don't expect them to come in and turn you from I believe Washington was 4 and 12 the year before and then we went 10 and 6. That's just not nobody really does that. And I was blessed enough to have great teammates and, and be able to pull that off as a rookie. But then you saw the next year when I came back from my injury, just how shortchanged we were as a roster. It was almost identical roster as the year we went 10 and 6. I just wasn't able to be Superman in 2013 because of my knee injury and the recovery from it. I wasn't quite there yet. These teams have to understand that with these young guys. Let them be young. Let them learn from their mistakes. And then they'll sink or swim. But that's not going to be found out for three, four years down the line.
0: You talked about that injury that you suffered, which was in the postseason. You, you had multiple injuries, which, you know, if they didn't happen, you're probably still playing. Uh, I know you can still run because I saw you outrun the Eagle at an Auburn game. Um, <laughs> are you still – could you play? Do you still want to play or are you done?
1: Yeah, Dave, I've gotten this question a bunch, and it's like almost every time they ask me, it's like starts a new news cycle about do I want to play or not. Uh, Sorry, man. Sorry. (laughs) I'm really enjoying what I'm doing right now with ESPN. Uh, Really blessed to work with the people that I have been able to work with. Talk with guys like you who are legends uh, in this game. If a team called me tomorrow and said, Robert, can you come be our starting quarterback? I'll be there. I, I train. I stay prepared. I can still run, can still throw. Coach texted me the other day, said, hey, can you take a hit? I'm like, yeah, I can take a hit. But they can't hit what they can't catch. So I'm a young 32. I haven't played a ton of football over the last five, six years, Um, but I still have a desire to be around the game, a desire to play the game. So if I got the call, yes. Am I chasing that call? I'm not, man. I'm really enjoying what I'm doing, having fun with my family, uh, being able to show people more sides of myself that you can't show when you're the franchise quarterback or a quarterback on a team like I was in Baltimore where you're the backup you got to be team, team, team. And now with the TV stuff, your personality gets to shine through. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited about the future with TV. And as you know, Dave, every player wants to have a Hall of Fame career. I don't, I haven't had that. I haven't had an opportunity to go out there and make that happen, whether it be injuries or situations or, or play. But as a broadcaster, that's the goal. Get in the Hall of Fame as a broadcaster. Be a great storyteller. Tell these guys stories the right way.
0: I'm enjoying that. But, yes. Who's your favorite team, Dave? Is it the Cardinals? Well, it better be. I've done their games for 21 years, so it better be the Cardinals.
1: Tomorrow, and said, Hey, Kyler pulled a hammy, we need you.
0: I'd be there. But at the end of the day, I'm enjoying what I'm doing. Last question, and it's another one that I'm sure you've been asked a lot since uh, uh, you were pretty vocal on social media about being interested in being a part of ownership with the Washington Commanders. Um, is that something that you're still interested in and looking into? Yes, I just shifted that
1: interest from social media to the private conversations that they have to be in. So when I put that tweet out at first, um, I did not expect the, the, the response that it got, um, you know, wanting to be a part of minority ownership and also bringing 10 fans along for the ride and they don't have to pay for anything. Well, the amount of calls I got in the next four hours after that tweet went out, was unbelievable. Um, there's just a lot of interest in people wanting to own football teams and wanting to be minority owners in a team like the Washington Commanders. So that is happening. Those conversations are still going on. Um, I did put out there that uh, I had I had 400 million already committed. That is not a lie. That is true. Um, it's grown since then. But at the end of the day, you got to find the right people to partner with. And that's the process I'm going through right now on that side of it. It would be really cool to have a full circle moment being a player for the commanders uh, to now come back and be a minority owner and and try to help the team and the city get the winner that it deserves. Uh, That would be really awesome. But at the end of the day, Dan Snyder's got to decide if he's going to sell the team or not.
0: I don't have any control over that. Well, listen, man, it's been uh, 11 years since uh, we last talked, but I, I, grateful for you doing this um you do such a great job on both college football the games and the studio stuff on monday night nfl Uh, i just love the fact that you're yourself you're entertaining you're fun and it keeps me watching so keep it up appreciate you dave and uh you never know man you never know what could happen
1: we could do some more of these could be working together in the future um i'm really honored to be on here
0: with you man Well, if you haven't had an opportunity to listen slash watch Robert on college football games on Saturday during the week with the studio for NFL on ESPN or on Monday Night Countdown, you certainly can see why he's a rising star in this business. Very engaging, great personality, and obviously very dialed in on both college football and the NFL. He mentioned he had a chance to talk one-on-one with Kyler Murray shared some of those comments that he had for Kyler and also gave his thoughts on how K1 is playing here in 2022. Also thought it was really interesting, his thoughts on being a potential owner in the NFL and that he wants to be a Hall of Fame broadcaster when he's done with his career. We are presented by BetMGM, the official sports betting partner of the Arizona Cardinals and by Gila River Resorts and Casinos. Tell us what you think by rating us, going to your podcast platform, Let us know if there's any guests that you'd like to hear from down the road. You can also follow us on Twitter at PashPod. Thanks again to you for listening. And thanks to Robert Griffin III for being this week's guest on the Dave Pash Podcast.